Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Welcome back to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Sky Guasco, Lucas Kaser, in the place as well, episode 208 Breaking down wide receiver rankings. Lucas, how are you doing this evening, my man? I'm just going to throw the disclaimer out there that uh, these rankings were so hard to make. I, I'm pretty confident in my top, like, uh, like 15, you could say. But besides that, there's so many guys that I think just reassures to go RB heavy to probably even prefer a quarterback or tight end. Like, I haven't dug too much into – I have a couple things working in terms of, like, expected value and return that that'll be in the draft guide that I think will be really cool to of how you can evaluate and really decide what strategy you should take. So basically what I'm saying is don't be mad at us for our rankings. Um, they're going to take time to fully narrow down. There's a lot of guys that we, we're going to say we're outside of, I made my top 30 um, that will probably to throw in dimensions, but I, I feel confident about some of these guys, but then others we'll see how summer plays out. Yeah. And the reality is, I mean, I think it's an unnecessary disclaimer to say that it's also June. Right. I mean, we're in the first week of June. We've got all of June, July, August, and we're really going to be shaking this out. So we're, you know, we've been doing this like, like couple week series and we're going to wrap up wide receivers tomorrow as well with the mock draft. And then we're going to get into tight ends next week. So pretty much a month of breaking down each position. We're going to more or less do the same thing. Um, in the next couple of months as well, and but just do a refreshed, condensed version of all of this as well as things shake out, and we'll see how you know um, training camps and everything else end up over the uh, over the summer. So a lot's going to change, obviously. Hey, before we get into this, man, let's cover a couple house cleaning uh, items. Just you and I here. Um, I've been getting more and more people reaching out about the TCK pod listener league. So some of you that have reached out uh, were participants last year and uh, are excited to come back and, and participate with us again for 2020. And we're excited to have you back. Others are new and either have heard about the league through our podcast or through a friend or whatever, and they're excited to join for the first time. So we still have a handful of things to shake out. We're going to be making some full announcements next week. And then in the next, uh, Next month in July, we're going to open up submissions and we're going to get that dialed up and then we will have the draft the week before the season. So we have plenty of time. You're not going to miss out. Um, so the TCK Pod Listener League is kind of put on the shelf still. We'll let you know about the rules. We'll let you know how to submit. We'll let you know how, how to get involved with that when the time comes. But before that, uh, Lucas, we have the draft guide that you and I have been working tirelessly on behind the scenes. Of course, you had your rookie draft guide before for the draft that was superb uh put a lot of time and energy into that i hope everybody copped a free copy of that at the time um we have a draft guide coming up our first one for the candlestick kids it's coming out in july as well 
Can you quickly, without disclosing maybe too much information that you and I don't have fully wrapped up because I don't want to get expectations up or I don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot with what we're capable of bringing, but can you please just give a quick, like maybe, uh, you know, give us a two minute version of what people can expect. Um, but also, you know, how we're maybe going to go about that process of delivering it to them. Yeah. So like we said, we're not going to like break it down. We're going to have a tiered tiered base purchasing platform plan of how we can we'll have different things you can buy, which discounts if you buy them all together, et cetera, stuff like that. Some will have, you'll see the post or we'll reach out to you guys, et cetera. So next week we will start pushing out the link. It'll be a Google form. Uh, if you're not familiar, you don't really need to be, you just type in your email and then we'll get you hooked up with whatever you are purchasing. That'll be on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, beginning of the podcast, our personal stuff. It'll be all over. So we'll make sure you guys get ahead of that. Um, so as of now, just next week, we'll have the sign-up forms. Those will have more details as to what it entails with each um, platform or purchase you make. Perfect. Right on. And again, more information to come, but people are starting to get hungry, which we appreciate. And uh, we hope that um, we hope that we can deliver what you were looking for. So let's dive into this, man. Without any further delay into the wide receiver rankings our initial rankings first ones of the season here in early june the first four wide receivers now again on this podcast we talk full ppr unless otherwise mentioned so the first census for us and as we did with the uh running backs excuse me and as we did with the quarterbacks you and i do not really discuss it before we jump on the pod on purpose of course we talk about players all day we talk about individual guy rankings uh once i'll just get each other's feel but we do not talk about the consensus till we jump on the podcast on purpose so the spreadsheet we're looking at each of us is kind of the time we're seeing each other's rankings um so there are some surprises for both of us in here the top four for you and i are both consensus Michael Thomas, no surprise. Devonta Adams, number two. Julio Jones, number three. And Tyreek Hill, number four. Those are our top four receivers. MT, Tay, Julio, and Tyreek. Number five is when we switch it up automatically. I've got Kenny Galladay. I've got Chris Godwin. I have Chris Godwin just down one at number six. Uh, give your case really quick for Chris Godwin, number five receiver. Yeah, I mean, I think that you guys know that I'm not about the Tom Brady favors the slot. He favors the better receivers on his team. I think this offense due to this transition it's going to have to make is going to just focus on getting the ball in the playmaker's hands, even more than developing a system. Chris Godwin, yes, plays the slot. So they're going to be using him in the shorter routes. I think Evans will be the deep guy. I think they're just going to see a huge chunk of this offense that is going to be unmatched compared to, like, I mean, we'll break it down as we keep going. I think there's two sets of receivers, probably even three, that are going to be elite that you could draft both. You could start both every week and be completely fine. So, Godwin, I think, is just going to build upon what he did last year. Great yards after the catch, man. And you don't need a good quarterback to get yards after the catch. Um, it, just, it just happens. So, I think I think Godwin just stays at the top. I will say that my, my tier one, though, cuts off at Julio. And I don't – as much as I love Terry Kill, I'm just not a big fan of him in – playing redraft anyways i get the whole go bigger go home i see that but i also see that the, the go home is not good for tyree kill for sure yep i agree with you uh huge upside obviously but also very limited floor of the top uh six eight wide receivers tyree kill is probably the one that makes me the most nervous now of course i rank him up there because he'll probably finish up there um and he's got that boom potential but 
he does have the kind of the most unsustainable floor as well. I agree. Love Chris Godwin, man. I've got him at number six. I've been pretty much flip-flopping Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin all summer or all spring long, I should say. My only hesitation to put him in the top five is just that Evans is there. Gronkowski's there as well for the time being. The time being. Um, and, uh, you know, Tom Brady, I know that he loves a slot. And Bruce Arians loves a slot. So, we, you know, I have nothing against Chris Godwin. And actually, I'm hoping that people are a little bit nervous like I am so that we can grab him in like this, you know, middle second round. I think you'd get a value on him personally but nothing negative to say about Chris Godwin uh definitely have him over Mike Evans for sure my fifth receiver though currently is Kenny Galladay and this is based strictly on Matt Stafford being healthy which I know is not something that we can confidently do but as of right now Matt Stafford's healthy and Kenny Galladay is has been on the rise you know uh, if you listen to our boy JJ Zacharyson he calls him baby Tron um basically the second coming of Megatron, Calvin Johnson. And he certainly is. He led the NFL in touchdowns last year with 11 uh, receiving. He had four games of 23 plus PPR points with Stafford in the lineup last year, who only played nine games. And then after he only had one game of 18 PPR points. So as much as Tyreek Hill kind of scares me with that limited floor, I think his ceiling is, is incredible. Kenny Galladay makes me a little nervous as well, just because if Matt Stafford does go down, they're not they're not going to get it they're not going to get it done uh, behind him. So I'm a little bit concerned about Kenny Galladay, but I do love him, and he is my number five receiver as of right now. Let's keep going down the list here. You have Nuke at six. I've got him at seven, uh, and then you have Mike Evans after that. So uh, just a quick note on Nuke. Um, I think personally, he's a top three receiver in the NFL. Uh, my only concern is the limited offseason, having a new quarterback, having a new system. Is he going to see that almost 30% market share that he's been seeing in Houston for these last couple of years? I understand he had bad quarterbacks for years before Deshaun Watson and all that shit. That's not the point. I think they're going to spread the ball out. Ken Drake's going to get a lot of work in the run game. You mentioned last episode and during the running back episode uh, that once the Cardinals turned to more of a balanced offense with Kenyon Drake, uh, they were much more efficient. So why not continue that? Um, there's also more mouths to feed, of course, in uh, Arizona than there were in Houston. So love New Hopkins, but I do think in year one of the Arizona offense with the limited offseason due to COVID, I do think um, there's a little bit of a growing period. Um, now he might be top three wide receiver from week like six on, but I think if you're drafting him, expecting him to be New Hopkins right away, I do think there's going to be about a month of delay, which I think ultimately kind of kicks him back just a little bit. Uh, you have him at number six. You feel even better about him. Uh, quick note on Nuke and then uh, break down Mike Evans for me. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. He's not going to get a 30% target share. We The, the numbers don't lie with – I know there's an article that Addison Hayes wrote up a while ago about wide receiver switching teams right after free agency. I haven't like broken down the numbers too much, but the general concept of it was exactly what I said about OBJ last year. I said about digs right as the trade happened. It, it is a viable thing as good as Deandre Hopkins is. He just has to see a dip unless the, the touchdown efficiency goes up. And he just called out Michael Thomas and Julio Jones for saying that if he had Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, he'd be the best. So for that, I will not be taking him. I was probably going to take him anyways because the ADP is not right. And now, now no like you just put yourself in like Odell and Diggs territory by saying that like no one cares what quarterback you're attached to one you also had Deshaun Watson for three years so like stop arguing so that just made me so mad that who cares like who you're getting paid to catch a football like just catch the football and move on 
And now you're on a much, I don't want to say much better team, but a much better long-term franchise outlook. So just shut up and catch the ball. Uh, Mike Evans, <laughs> the, the overlying, I know Chris uh, from the commish, he's been getting into a lot of Twitter arguments and I love it because people were saying that Tom Brady cannot support Mike Evans. Mike Evans is not Robbie Anderson. He's not Rashad Perriman. He's not, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of a, a downfield, any downfield stretcher. He's just an alpha receiver. He is the guy that just dominates downfield because no one can cover him downfield. It's like everyone, that's the whole slot narrative. Like it's not a thing. He, they will support Mike Evans. If they, if they didn't think Tom, Tom, Tom Brady couldn't maintain throwing the ball downfield, they wouldn't have got him. They wouldn't have just taken away Mike Evans who they're paying nine million a year for. And Tom Brady was like second in passing attempts last year. So he can obviously handle the volume. So just keep Mike Evans here, capitalize on the fall in ADP that will come, especially moving more towards August. Players that don't evaluate it as much as we do are going to say that they don't think Tom Brady can throw the ball downfield. I don't think he can as much as Jameis did, but he's still going to get a 25% target share, I think, even 23, 24, which will be good enough for this high of a finish. The only thing with Kenny Galladay, because I have him at 11, is – the thing, like everything points up. An interesting stat is only 18 of his 36 deep balls were catchable last year. Only 50%. He had 11 touchdowns. I don't think that changes. If only 50% of his deep balls catches uh, were catchable, they were eighth in touchdown per uh, – he was eighth in touchdown per route run, so maybe it regresses, but just like I said, probably not. And the Lions were just okay in converting in the red zone and just converting touchdowns. The splits with Marvin Jones are like they seem like they're a thing, but not really. His market share just goes down a little bit, like a, like it should. But overall, I think it's just it's in it's in a comparison to the guys I have ahead of him. I just prefer. I think they'll finish higher, but I love Kenny Galladay. I think that he will be he will prove why you don't need to go wide receiver in the first two rounds because he's going to be on the three turn. You could go CMC. Shoot, even go Lamar if you want and go Kenny Galladay and you have a stack three or just go running back, running back, Kenny Galladay. So I, I love Kenny G this year for sure. Awesome. Likewise. All right, man, let's jump down the list a little bit. I've got Juju Smith-Schuster all the way up at number eight. Uh, you have him at number 12. Uh, this is, I think, surprising for a number of reasons. First of all, he had a shitty season last year because Big Ben went down. Secondly, we don't know what version of Big Ben we're actually going to get. Uh, coming off of his uh, shoulder surgery. And then there's this narrative that we didn't actually get to see play out last year, which is Juju is the number one now after a number of years with Antonio Brown as the number two. Some things that – this is like a, a gut feeling, I guess. And, again, it's June. I know it's early. A lot of this will shake out over the next couple of months. But Juju had just 58 receptions, 79 uh, targets and 900 yards and eight touchdowns. Basically, DK Metcalf or so was a rookie. In his second year, he had 111 receptions, 166 targets, 1,400 plus yards, and seven touchdowns. And then last year, of course, he had nothing. He had 500 yards on 70 targets and three touchdowns. We don't count that. He was ascending up. I think he's going to continue to ascend up. Also, there's been talk out of the Pittsburgh franchise that because they drafted Chase Claypool, who was kind of the quote-unquote uh, tight end wide receiver-ish, he's going to be on the outside 
Deontay Johnson is going to be on the outside. Um, James Washington is going to be on the outside. So they can afford to put Juju Smith-Schuster, who's the best receiver on the team, in the slot. And when you're able to do that, he's going to match up against nickel cornerbacks who basically only come out on the field um, in specialty situations. And frankly, I think he's just going to roast them. He was able to do that when Antonio Brown was out on the outside as well. So being the number one is different for players like uh, maybe Tyler Boyd. We saw that when A.J. Green went down, Tyler Boyd was actually not as effective as the number one that he was as the number two. That being said, when you're playing in the slot, Tyler Boyd was able to get away from it because he had mismatches with linebackers or like, you know, nickel cornerbacks or whatever. So I just think Juju is one of the premier athletic wide receivers in the league. Um, I think he's going to get a lot done. And as long as Big Ben can hold up like Kenny Galladay, I really do think that we're going to see the fireworks that we didn't last year from Juju Schuster. And again, I think that I just have the highest rank uh, overall from anybody I've seen on Juju. And um, I think that I'm going to probably find some value on him right now in like the back of the third, fourth round even, which for me is an absolute steal with that upside and floor, assuming that uh, Big Ben comes back and he is, he is healthy enough to make it happen. So I love Juju. I, I uh, have him inside my top 10. You've got him at your number 12. Um, what's your – I mean, you still have him as a wide receiver one, which I like, but what's your kickback on Juju? Like – I here's the thing. I've been playing with narratives all day, so I've kind of been going like a little narrative tangent. He he don't you don't need to see him not have a, an alpha or a wide receiver one because he is the alpha wide receiver one. Like I get the the arguments viable, but if any other receiver would have done this when it, with Antonio Brown in his first year as breaking out, you could say the same thing and it wouldn't matter. It's the, it, it, it's there. Like we, we could say the same thing about Calvin Ridley. We'll never be able to see him do it without an alpha because he doesn't need to. Like it, it, there's a certain receivers that don't need to be that outside dominant guy. Judy Smith is moving into the slot. They have made that obvious. Uh, in 2018, when he played fourth in slot snaps, he was second in total slot yards and first in slot targets. He just dominated teams. Tyree Kill was the highest one because he plays all over, but he plays primarily in the slot. And when you line up in the slot in motion, they still count that as lining up in the slot. So it's, he, didn't really, he really wasn't the number one. Uh, the OC for the team, I was trying to think of his name. I couldn't think of it. He comes from the Mike Leach coaching scheme or coaching system. And Mike Leach's philosophy is get the ball, spread the ball out equally in the hands of playmakers. We think – we look at the team now. Okay, how many of them actually played with Big Ben in the past? Two of them, James Conner and Judy Smith. And okay, three, Vance McDonald, but he's the backup tight end. If Big Ben is really coming back, he is coming back ready to play and go win the division, go win a Super Bowl. He's not coming back to be mediocre. So buy in if you want, but if you buy in, like you have to buy in in full and say Judy's going to be a top 12 receiver like he was two years ago. Big Ben's going to be – I obviously have him, Big Ben ranked at like 15, but he's going to be a top fantasy quarterback. James Conner's going to be a top 20 fantasy running back points per game basis because obviously injuries are there but just buy in because because it's there they went nine and seven last year with duck hodges now you add in i would say probably a top 10 quarterback just in terms of overall quarterback play and talent and philosophy and big band of all time just take that and ride it ride the low adps to your championship this is where you find values and we will see juju dominate um I, people are going to be like well he he didn't do it last year because he got hurt last year he played in games when he shouldn't have this is a thing every week. There, should I play Juju? Should I not? Should I play him? Should I not? That's not the case anymore. He's ready to go. Big Ben's ready to go. I think the Steelers are going to be a breakout team for sure. 
Awesome, man. I totally agree. That's great. I appreciate all that breakdown, man, because I have been feeling good about Juju and I can't find a lot of statistics from last year because there aren't any. <laughs> I'm basically just relying on the, I'm, the rely, I'm relying on two years ago, two years ago with AB. But then again, it's like, is he going to be that alpha number one? Can, can he be? Absolutely. Will he be? And again, I, I don't think people realize that, you know, Juju is, is still one of the youngest receivers in the league. You know, and this is his fourth season. I just think it's pretty incredible. Like in, All right. Go ahead. Say, Go ahead. In comparison, like, okay, is Kamara a workhorse? No, not even close. Is he ever going to be a workhorse? No, no, he never is going to be a workhorse. Juju does not need to be the, the big body Julio Jones like, to produce fantasy points. We saw that with Eckler last year. He wasn't even – even when Melvin Gordon really wasn't there, he was still only getting 70% snap share because he doesn't need that. So just adding in on that for sure. Yep, totally agree. All right, let's move on. You have, um, let's talk about Adam Thielen here. You have Adam Thielen at number nine. I've got him down. Let's see here. He's buried. Why can I not see him? Number like 18. Nine, 18, yeah. 18. And, and before you go in on him, this is, this is strange because, again, I did not see your rankings until we jumped on here. And I was kind of going back and forth. And I actually, I literally put in my little player bio to like give myself some notes and stuff. I literally said, I think he's going to either be a back end wide receiver one, so like probably 12 or a back-end wide receiver two at 24. So I basically slotted him in the middle at 18 because I just don't know what this offense is going to be like without Diggs, with Jefferson coming in, with a run-heavy approach, but we know that Cousins loves Thielen. And I actually – I like Thielen a lot. Um, he actually never missed a game in his career until last year when he played 10 games, and he was ascending up in pretty much every single category his entire career until they got hurt. So I love Adam Thielen, but he is 31 years old, coming off an injury – I'm just not sure how it's going to feel. So right now I've got him, you know, in my middle wide receiver twos, but I'd love to see that you have him as a, a wide receiver one. So uh, convince me otherwise. So the, the theme with Thielen going into the drafts, and I think that's something that I think I'm going to touch on more. There will be themes and narratives. That's how you win your league. That's how you manipulate the draft. The theme will be he's injury prone, right? Because last year everyone had high hopes for him and he got injured. Okay, so last year I extrapolated his stats. Um, I excluded week seven and eight because he just had 16 total snaps. So don't even count those. So excluding those with a goose egg tossed into this pace, he would have had 90 targets, 786 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Not the greatest, but he's still a beast even when he was banged up. He has a low re-injury risk via sports injury predictor for this season, less than point, like I think he's like point six five projected games to miss or whatever so so he's he's healed healthy two years ago and the year prior to that he played in all 16 games both those seasons he finished his wide receiver seven in 2018 on 153 targets 1300 yards and nine touchdowns and then wide receiver eight the year prior on 142 targets and 1276 yards and four touchdowns the only really question is can he sustain those that volume well, considering there's 100, 100 vacated targets and they have Justin Jefferson and that's it to take that, you're basically projecting some of like, I don't even know like the rookie, the rookie records. You're not giving 100 targets to a rookie because that would probably break a record and he would probably get, I mean, Jefferson would probably result in like 80 catches, which is unreal for a rookie. It's not going to happen. So you give, give Thielen the, the target share that he got in 2018 the same type of offense. I think that was Dalvin Cook's breakout ish year. I think uh, maybe two years ago. Yeah, he he came back from injury and, and crushed uh, in 2018 before last year. Yep. So they were still run heavy, which 
whatever. They're still going to be run heavy. But um, also Kubiak is now the play caller for this team. And I took yep. his coaching averages of his wide receiver one of all time. I don't remember how, but 17 seasons. Average Andre Johnson, up. folks, do you remember Andre Johnson? I'm just going to throw kind, that name out kind there. Of similar, <laughs> kind of similar players Beast. if you kind of think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. The average finish of a wide receiver 14. But if you exclude the outlier, which was a wide receiver 66 finish, the one year as wide receiver one must have just got hurt or something, wide receiver 10.75 average finish. So, like, all the numbers add up for this to happen. He just stays healthy, which check, low re-injury risk from a credible site. Like, I'm all in. I think that he'll be the number one red zone. Obviously, they're going to want to run the ball. But in terms of targets in the red zone, it will be him. He will be the number one target. Kirk Cousins is not going to look to a rookie when he can just throw the ball to Adam Thielen in the slot. All the routes that Thielen runs are just designed to get him the ball. They're all short RPOs because they work, because Thielen's just consistent. He's huge. He can run with the ball in his hand. So I'm, I'm all bought into Thielen. Uh, like I, a lot of the guys that we're going to break down here are literally just ADP values that are screaming that I think are all going to finish top 12. Obviously, I haven't done my projections in full yet, but I think that – I mean, if you give Thielen 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns and 153 targets, like – I don't know if Kenny Galladay will get that. I don't. I mean, I love Kenny Galladay. I don't think he'll get that. I love Allen Robinson. I don't think he'll get that. Robert Woods won't get that. DJ Moore won't get that. So I'm, I'm all about Adam Thielen this year. Awesome, man. Love it. And again, I like Adam Thielen a lot. I just am not sure how, I, how I'm – right now, I have too many question marks to boost him up. But again, I've got three more months to, to make yeah, that correction. Sure. Look, if things look good, man, Kirk Cousins loves him. I, I'm not saying that, that, that Thielen is Jordy Nelson. Um, of his heyday, but he reminds me of Jordy Nelson where he just like runs a quick seam route. And then they, the play breaks down. Rogers breaks the pocket. Cousins breaks the pocket a little bit. And somehow Thielen is just open by five yards all the time. It's insane. Uh, and he does have the, the higher upside with the TDs there. And of course, Diggs going to Buffalo is going to help. Now a quick note on Justin Jefferson uh, coming in as, uh, you know, from LSU, the, uh, you you made a, a comment about the the rookies getting 100 targets. DK Metcalf got 100 targets last year, but he only had 58 receptions, right? So having having that camaraderie with your quarterback on a full off season isn't isn't uh, always guaranteed. Now again, we mention it constantly with this COVID thing. They're just not. Um, guaranteed to have that connection because of what's going down over the next couple of months. So I love it, man. And I think uh, Thielen is going to be just fine. And I think I'm going to have to uh, actually boost him up a little bit. Let's talk about another guy that I am probably too low on as well. Uh, and then uh, we'll switch and I'll talk about a guy I'm high on and you're low on, I think. All right. So let's talk about Calvin Ridley, um, who has been one of the most budding stars in the NFL the last couple of years. You have him at number 10. I've got him at number 14. I've had him all the way up to number 10 during this process of ranking. Um, I have nothing negative to say about Calvin Ridley other than what everybody else says, which is he's not Julio Jones. Other than that, I love Calvin Ridley. He has been a little bit injured. He has been a little bit inconsistent, but obviously he's got the upside with double-digit touchdowns. You've got him at number 10. So if everyone can remember Chris Godwin's breakout last year, it came into three things, talent, Vacated production and a team that passes the ball a lot. Calvin Ridley is a good receiver. You can't deny that. He's a first-round pick. He's produced every time he's played. Vacated production, 257 open targets on this team. I, I'm going to start. Mo- I'm gonna, most in the league, right? Yeah, I'm going to do a thing where most if you ex- extrapolate the, 
the so like I don't have it done yet, but say like if Ridley would have played sixteen, Julio would have played sixteen. How much actual vacated production is there? Because obviously, if Ridley would have bid into that, Julio would have bid into that, etc. But two hundred fifty-seven vacated targets, just in terms of open targets from players leaving. Now you got Hayden Hurst, which I love Hayden Hurst and redraft and football and dynasty, but he's never gotten a huge target share. So we, I don't think we can necessarily like extremely project him to take it all right away. And Todd Gurley, who they literally asked um, the, the coaching staff how they felt about Gurley. They go, oh, we're not really for sure. The only time we've talked to him is like in a Zoom call. So they have no clue about his injury and they have no backups. So someone has to get the ball. And like I, like I said, that you don't need to be a wide receiver one to produce wide receiver one numbers. We see it all the time. We saw it last year with Godwin and Mike Evans. I think we see that again with Ridley and Julio. And for a team that passes 10.77 pass plays over the average of the NFL, not even the difference between the best and the worst. And like, I don't know, we harped it in that, Ryan. The team needs to score points to compete in this division. I'm all about Ridley. Everyone's kind of catching on to it because they realize the opportunity is there. But I don't think his ADP can get too high because I don't think Chris Godwin's ADP got too high last year. I was taking him everywhere because even if he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, even if he's not as explosive as he has been, if you're giving him 100 catches and 900 yards, that's still a top 20 fantasy receiver and a couple touchdowns. But if he can really reach what I think he can, I think he's just a lock uh, for top 12. And now that I think about it, I probably have to raise Matt Ryan up. But I just don't know where to raise him up over guys like Josh Allen and I think my six is Deshaun Watson, if I remember right. Sure. And and Calvin Ridley had one, two, three games with double-digit targets. Uh, and obviously, he missed 15, 16, and 17 of last year. Julio Jones had one, two, three, four games of double-digit targets. So, obviously, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. Uh, but we did see last year um, that Chris Godwin, as you mentioned, basically overtook um, Mike Evans. And so, it is possible uh, eventually – Julio Jones took over Roddy White many years ago. Um, I personally don't think that happens this year, uh, but it could certainly happen next year, and we can definitely see these guys close the gap. I expect – I think Julio Jones is a top three receiver in fantasy and certainly in, in NFL standards. But if Julio Jones ended up wide receiver eight and Calvin Ridley ended up wide receiver ten, I would not be surprised if they close that gap, right, instead of being separated the way that they are. Um, because for some reason, Calvin Ridley gets Julio's touchdowns. <laughs> if if Julio got the touchdowns he deserved, I don't even know that Calvin Ridley would be a name that we talk about, but that's not the case. Julio gets quadruple covered in the end zone. Calvin Ridley does not. He gets the touchdowns. So, say la vie, we love that for fantasy football. All right, man, let's trickle down the list a little bit further here. Uh, a couple more rankings um, rounding out my top 10. I got Juju, as I mentioned, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, and then Keenan Allen and DJ Moore as my top 12. You've got uh, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, Kenny Galladay, as we mentioned, and Juju Schuster. Let's jump into the other section here. You have Allen Robinson at 13. I've got him at number nine, and I don't feel good about this at all. This is strictly a belief in Allen Robinson. Um, the fact that he was a wide receiver one last year with Mitch Trubisky somehow and no camaraderie on this offense and basically no scoring opportunities. He was still a wide receiver one. I just, I've been very clear that I don't believe in Nick Foles overall, but I do think he's more consistent, more efficient, and he's going to keep the ball rolling more often for the bears. Um, I don't feel good about him in my top 10, but as I'm doing my rankings, I'm just not sure who I'm going to piece over him other than maybe Mike Evans 
you know, I just don't see who I would put who I'd put over him. Maybe Keenan Allen. Yeah. Uh, but for me, but for me, believing in the talent this time of year matters. And I just Allen Robinson with with a you know top tier quarterback. I think would be very, very special. Um, he has not had a legitimate quarterback in his career yet, and he's still, you know, a top 15 um, fantasy receiver in, in years that he's been healthy. So I think he can get it done again with uh, Nick Foles. Yeah, so I think the thing with him is I'm at 13, but I would much rather just wait th- two rounds, probably three, to get him over Mike Evans. Like, yet again, just to show that you don't need to go wide receiver early unless you're getting one of the top tier guys. He was wide receiver eight last year with Mitch Trubisky. You guys all know that I'm a big proponent of just the efficiency boost that Nick Foles is going to bring to this. Taylor Gabriel is gone. I don't remember the exact vacated production, but adding Ted Ginn and Darnell Mooney, who are just both downfield attacks, only helps. I mean, Gabriel kind of was a downfield attack, but there were games where he was like the, the main possession receiver. I don't really understand what was happening. So just buy in Allen Robinson – People think Nick Foles sucks because he didn't produce him two games last year the Jaguars gave him. Like, he won a Super Bowl the year before that. Like, I, you can make the, the case that, that the defense won the Super Bowl, whatever. He won the Super Bowl. It happened. He caught the Philly special, so he's a good quarterback. But that, with that being said, adding downfield receivers only helps him. Adding an efficient quarterback only helps him. People are off Dave Montgomery because he was bad last year then that means it would only help him if the coaching staff realizes that he's very inefficient. They're going to give him less work, which means Allen Robinson should see more work. So just he's a wide receiver one that will not be drafted as a wide receiver one. I mean, probably like 12, 13 range, but that you can get consistent floor with, I don't really know how much upside like per week basis that he has, but if you're getting, I don't know, 15 to 16 a week from him, that's really all you need out of your one. If you're waiting this long to get a receiver, and then you can just build from there on upside guys. So, yeah, I think – I mean, you have him at, what would you say, eight or nine. I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, 13 is not much of a gap difference for me. I think I have a lot of these guys all in the same tier. And the ECR, the expert consensus ranking that we talk about every once in a while, which is just – it's basically the industry collective of ranking averaged out. The ECR actually has him at wide receiver seven. So, I'm lower than them by one. You're lower than them by six. And I don't feel good about yeah, we love putting, them, so. putting them up that putting them up that high. Actually, I've got them at uh, number nine. Um, but still, I mean, the the experts have him even higher than us. Uh, so, you know, I think Allen Robinson is not a name on draft day that I'm gonna like draft and give myself a fist bump. Like, oh, worked out. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna be happy about it at all. However, yeah. if he is my wide receiver two with a stud running back or somehow I end up having to go zero RB, which we're going to get into a mock next that week, or I'm sorry, tomorrow. Um, then if he's my wide receiver three somehow, and I've stacked wide receivers before him, dude, he, that that's a steal in my opinion. And I think it can happen him. Like guys like him, Amari Cooper, um, you know, uh, Cortland Sutton, I, you know, guys that we're not super excited to have as our wide receiver one, maybe even two, if you get them at wide receiver three somehow because their stocks are falling for various reasons, dude, I think that is a absolute steal. Uh, and, and that floor plus the upside is, is absolutely incredible with some of those guys. All right, let's jump into another name here. Odell Beckham Jr. I've got him at 15. You've got him. Is he in your top 30? I'm just trying to – oh, there he is, number 24. Number 24, folks. Okay, so <clears throat> I wish this was like a radio show where people could call in 
You know, I, feel, oh, I think I we need never, to open I would up. never get hired. I would never I think get we, hired. I think we know, need to open up the phone lines on the podcast every once in a while and, and get some live takes uh, on this. So, Aldo Beckham Jr., basically a top five wide receiver uh, every year before last year with Eli Manning. Uh, you know, shout out to Giants fans, whatever. That's fine, but Manning. Get that I was driving the Browns bus uh, and it ran me right over um, and I'll probably be trying it again this year I, it's talent dude and here's the deal I've got him at 15 which I think is too low but you keep talking me out of putting him higher so I've, I've I'm trying to be nice uh, and and you know remain cordial here having him outside my top 12 but just like a week ago I had him at like number nine you've got him at number 24. And you're just kind enough to keep him as a wide receiver too, but um, you know, just double up here, bro. Double up. You got Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. right above him. I don't. Even, Jarvis Landry is my thirtieth wide receiver right now. So I've got OBJ at thirteen. I've got him at fifteen, and I've got Landry at thirty. You've got them back to back at twenty three and twenty four with Landry a little bit higher. The floor is yours. All righty. So the thing is, I don't even really like Landry that. I mean, I do, but like, I think I just had to put him there just for the memes, just for the troll. So yes, there, there is this whole injury thing, which I've, I'm actually, I have the document of the fantasypoints.com brand new site. Chris had Dr. Edwin Poros on. He wrote up about it. The, the thing I hate is that the injury report came out after the Browns franchise crumbled. Their Super Bowl hopes were diminished and the team sucked. <laughs> If he was really that injured to where that was why he didn't produce, it would not have been after the season report came out. I get that it might actually be true, but, like, stop with that. Like, you can't just say he didn't produce because he was injured. Because I have it pulled up right now. His injury history, 2012, hip groin. 2015, hamstring. 2015, hamstring again. 2016, hip slash groin. 2019, hip slash groin. So he is an injury-prone receiver. I don't even know if he's finished a full season. I didn't even care to look. And he really – what has he done besides maybe one good fantasy season? I get that he's a really good receiver. I get that the talent's there. But when it comes to redraft, I'm not banking on – I'm banking on talent, but talent doesn't win fantasy leagues. Fantasy points win fantasy leagues. Leonard Fournette was RB6 last year, and he was literally the worst by, like, any metrics in starting running backs last year. And he was RB6. So, OBJ, okay. They're, they're past the runs – or they're – Passed the run split last year, 57.8% pass, 42.2% run. They bring in Kevin Stefanski, 8% less of a pass rate. (laughs) Minnesota in the red zone last year. The Browns were like fifth in red zone run rate. Now they get the highest in red zone run rate with Kevin Stefanski. The hashtag terrible, awful, terrible offensive line that didn't let Baker Mayfield produce was 10th in adjusted line yards and 18th in pass protection, so average. And he only took one sack above league average. So average. He had the worst adjusted completion percentage among starting quarterbacks. Grade from a clean pocket, like no one was touching him, 26th from the PFF grade. So he just wasn't good. Like he just wasn't good last year. And people like think that it's like he was the O-line ruined him, which we're talking about another quarterback that everyone just blames the O-line that it actually wasn't the O-line. So just switching to a more run-heavy team that already was kind of run-heavy, adding Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he's kind of injured, and then building up your O-line to run, make him score more fantasy points from wide receiver, what, 29 last year? I get that he could play a full 16 games, but there was only one receiver ahead of him 
in terms of final finish that played 16 games. So people get injured. So you can't like say on a per game basis for 16 games because do that with everyone. It's probably just about the same with maybe a couple tweaks here and there. So I get, I get that he's a talented receiver. I get that 24 might be super low, but I, I just can't do it. I just can't fall back on what I've said all this time. And the situation is only getting worse. Like I get that maybe the, the play action passes can make him more efficient, but how much more efficient for a quarterback that was terrible last year and there's not an offseason to fix that. Stefanski, he's never been a head coach, so will it actually work? We don't know. So I, people are probably like, why 24? I, I just can't do it. I, I can't put him that high when I would literally never draft. I would draft – I mean, throwing it out there. Like DK Metcalf, I would draft over him. Guys that I know, at least I'll get some fantasy points and not be disappointed because OBJ's ADP I know will creep up to round three. I don't know what it's at now, but I know it will get that high just based off his name alone. Fair enough. And, you know, I, I appreciate your strong stance either way. Odell Beckham has played 16 games a full season twice in his career, 2016 and 2019. Other than that, 12, 15, 4, and 12. Every season but that season that he played four games, he's had over 1,000 yards. He also had double-digit touchdowns every year for the first three years, and then he got injured, and he's been basically kind of battling back since then. Finally got over the hump last year. Was healthy finally for the first time in four seasons. He had 133 targets and just 74 receptions. Obviously, that's got to get better. He's got to get, you know, 130 targets even. But if he can get back up to 90 receptions, I think he'd be just fine. That puts him over about 1,200 yards at least. And I think he could double his touchdowns pretty easily, again, on talent alone. And the ability that – I mean, all the stats that you broke down for Baker, I don't disagree that it was a shitty season last year. But to me – with the talent of Baker Mayfield, the talent around him, I understand bringing in Austin Hooper and all this other shit in a run-first offense doesn't look sexy and bode well for Odell and fantasy specifically, but it helps the overall offense. Jack Conklin coming in is huge for the offensive line. To me, all of those numbers for Baker Mayfield have to go up. And if they don't go up, then he's fucking trash and they need to pick something else. But they have to go up for, for Baker Mayfield. If those go up, just uh, – uh, Odell has to also increase there uh, with your boy Landry too. Landry, his biggest concern is I know both those guys were hurt, but as you made a mention, Odell was like super injured after they fucking sucked in the end of the season. I'm kind of with you on that. Landry was like legit had like off season cord muscle surgery. That's a problem. And I'm concerned that he is not going to be back full tilt right away. And if he isn't, that even helps out Odell even more. So I'm going to believe the hype one more season, I think. Um, and, you know, my, my quick stat, I guess, on Odell is he's been a wide receiver two or better in 64% of his games over his career. The only players with better rates over their career are Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and the once great Antonio Brown. So, again, he's in the conversation for a reason. He has been incredible over his career in various uh, opportunities. I am going to believe the hype for one more season. I've got him right now at 15, which I do think is too low. Um, but when I put apples to apples, I, I, I shifted him down just a little bit. So we're going to agree to disagree right now. I think this is going to be interesting to see how it comes together over the summer, though, because I could see myself raising – Odell into the top 12 for sure and uh, we'll see if you if you continue to have him a borderline wide receiver three just doesn't make sense for me all right let's keep going my man a couple more names to break down in depth now I defended Odell Beckham that's my dog I'm going to stick with him one more season 
I'm going to give you the floor, my man. Please, please make the commish fantasy football podcast boys happy. Eric, Alex, and Chris, this one is for you. Lucas, your number 16 receiver, my number 22 receiver, the floor is yours. Okay, so I had Edelman ranked receiver eight last year, and I got made fun of. And you want to know where he finished? Wide receiver six, okay? You were way too low on him, obviously. I was way too low on him, and the, the, the case was valid. It's still valid. Okay, Tom Brady leaves. Okay, here, I'm just going to read off some of Tom Brady's stats last year to show how bad he actually played last year. Most passed or the least, sorry, the most pass attempts in the last four seasons last year. So from what, 2015 to last year, the most pass attempts, lowest career touchdowns per game, lowest career yards per game, lowest yards per attempt since 2002. 2002, when he was like the backup, okay? So that being said, apparently this, this was the O-line take. Apparently the O-line was so bad, that's why it didn't produce. They were fifth in pass protection from Football Outsiders, a credible source, one of like the leading data NFL sites. Ninth in adjusted line yards, and he took six sacks below the NFL average. The O-line had nothing to do with Tom Brady's play. So that being said, I get that you're losing the team captain aspect, but Edelman is a team captain too, and now he's going to be even more mad that his teammates left. So he's just going to take that over, I think. Belichick, it's Belichick's system. It's not Brady's system, the whole slot narrative, whatever. That being said, with the slot, Edelman was fourth most in slot snaps last year. 101 of his 147 targets came from the slot last year. He had nine drops in the slot too. That will change. I mean, he should, just based on averages, that will go up. And then he was sixth in targets, um, all, six in like percentage of his targets per slot snap, if that makes sense. So how well he was used in the slot. I don't care who the quarterback is. They're going to favor Edelman like they have for since he's been in the league. It's Belichick's offense. They will make sure they get him the ball. And I think a rookie receiver would favor the slot guy, especially when it's a veteran. Super Bowl MVP, that's the best receiver on the team. And I don't see – I just don't see – him seeing less work than he saw last year. Like in 16 is going to be way too low. I think when it's all said and done, I get that it's not an upside play, but it doesn't matter. If you have him as, I don't even know where his ADP is. If you have him as your wide receiver three in the flex, you don't have to play. You don't have to worry about changing your flex one bit. You can pick up waivers and then just double up and trade two for ones and upgrade the rest of your positions. That's exactly what I did last year. And it worked. He was a wide receiver six in my flex. I mean, obviously he was like my one or two when it was all said and done. But they just play him in the flex. That's where you drafted him. So that means Jared Stidham, like the Patriots are still going to be a good team. I'm also on the board that they're going to be a playoff team without Tom Brady because Tom Brady was terrible last year. Any quarterback can funnel the ball to the slot. We saw Teddy Bridgewater funnel the ball to Michael Thomas, and he didn't even play in the slot last year. And, I, and people think Teddy Bridgewater sucks. So just buy an Edelman. <laughs> that, like literally you could come out of the draft with Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones and then go get – Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, and Julian Edelman. And I, that's crazy. Like that, that, it's crazy that you can do that because that being said and done, I know these guys will finish all top 15 in their position because you're ranking based on the final stat line. I think people always say finish, you finish, but they don't actually think in their head like what the stat line is going to produce at the end of the season. Because I know Edelman's going to get 140 targets. I know he's going to get right around 1,000 yards, and I know he's going to get eight to nine touchdowns. And that's going to be higher than most of the receivers below him ranking. I get that. I don't know. I just I, – I don't like taking narratives when people don't back it with actual evidence to the narrative. Fair enough. That, I'm going to give – That was um, for you. That was for you, Chris, too. 
I was just going to say, I'm going to give the commish boys like 10 more seconds to cool down a little bit. And again, this is where we need the phone line, bro. We need to, we need to take phone calls right now. Let them, let them come in hot, but you know what? They'll probably just, they'll probably just mention it on their podcast and they'll go in on you. So I'll, I'll leave it. I'll let them do their thing. Julian Edelman somehow last year had borderline a career season. So he had a rare season where he played all 16 as well. 100 receptions which is the most since 2003, 153 targets, which is the most since 2016 and the second most in his career, 1,117 yards receiving, which is the second most in his career and the most since 2013. He had seven touchdowns for the second time in his career, and he's never had over that. So seven touchdowns is kind of the cap. But as you just mentioned, 140 targets, 1,000 yards, and about seven to eight touchdowns, definitely possible. Last year, he had an he had an A dot, which a lot of times we talk about that with quarterbacks, average depth to target, but you can also pertain it to wide receivers as well. His A dot last year was 9.2 yards, which is actually more than I thought it would be with him running short uh, under routes. Um, is there any way that that changes with Jared Sinem? No way, right? I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be consistent. Might even be a little deeper, frankly, if he wants to get it going. And I guess the thing is, you know, uh, Nikhil Harry is there, Muhammad Sanu is there, but unless you consider either one of those guys getting 100 yeah. targets, which I don't, um, James White's out of the backfield, Burkhead's out of the backfield, but those guys kind of eat each other. There isn't a real tight end yet that we know of. Um, I, I mean, he's going to be the alpha receiver there, at least for one more season. The ECR for Julian Edelman, can you guess? I, I don't think you've looked it up. I'm just looking at it right um, now. So you out have, of, I would say, 32. 32 is your guess. You have him at 16. I have him at 22. ECR is exactly on the nose 32 wide receiver 32 right now just for example my 32 is tyler boyd just to give some uh that's so crazy that's so cra- like <sighs> people do this for so, a living and they don't even like oh, that's oh my gosh that's terrible so i agree with you that i think julian edelman is being undervalued but you have him nearly 10 spots higher than i do so i am pumping the brakes because i just don't know how this uh patriots offense is going to run but however it runs in the offense it's going to be through Julian Edelman. So I like it, man. I appreciate you taking the stance. And I think what we need to do here, we're not, we're not big into bets. Uh, we're definitely not the, the shit talking type of type of podcast. Uh, that's just not my vibe. It's not your vibe. Um, I'm not into humiliations and other weird shit that people do on fantasy podcasts and leagues, but this one seems to be of contention. We need to come up with some sort, and maybe we can brainstorm throughout the episode, and at the end we'll come up with something. We need to have some sort of bet or wager, one way or another, on Julian Edelman and Odell Beckham. I don't know if it's fair to say just who finishes higher if you want to just go apples to apples, but we might have to do some something to where uh, we, compare, we compare the two over the fantasy season. Let's, uh, let's wait and do an episode closer to the season with like maybe 10 to 20 fantasy claims or bets or whatever and whoever gets the most right wins or something like that because i think we'll have more of a a gauge on what we want to do by then fair i think we'll have to table this one until then all right fair enough uh commission crew feel free to uh call in anytime you're available all right let's move down the rest of the list man we just got a couple of names here and we're going to get out of here i've got deacon metcalf at 17 you got him all the way down at 29 uh and then you have uh dj moore at 15 i've got him up at 12 Um, Another couple of names here just with differences. Uh, A.J. Brown for me is 24. You've got A.J. Brown up at 21. I like to see that. Um, Let's talk about Tyler Lockett. You've got him at 19. I've got him all the way down 
Um, let's see here at 25. And actually I almost want to put him lower. Um, how do you feel about Tyler Lockett? I frankly just think that I, I just think DK Metcalf is going to be the alpha there uh, by a bunch this year, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's hard to gauge because they, they ran similar amount of routes. Lockett ran 30 more routes than them, but Lockett's target quality was like so, so very, very much better. Oh, I'm trying to pull it up here. Well, they just, like, they just have the camaraderie. I mean, uh, uh, Lockett and, and Russ have a handful of years to get that camaraderie down, yeah. um, and, and DK just didn't have that. But in the second season, man, I, I think DK is going to be nuts this year, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's just hard for me to gauge because I think this team is so run first. DK was wide receiver 35 last year. I just don't know if I can see him getting over the 900 receiving yards he had last year. Like, it's, it's hard to picture. He was on 58 catches, bro. Give yeah, him, give that, him 70 I know, catches even. Even 70 catches, which is not that many. And, and, he's, and he's, he's over 1,000 he's over easy. And he led the league in red zone, um, red zone attempts last year. He, again, he was terribly inefficient. I understand. He was a quote-unquote raw receiver, but he had a surgery fucking two weeks before the season started. He was a rookie. Uh, he was not really ready for that number one role, and he kind of just took it because he's massive. Doug Baldwin, who I never thought was, like, incredible, was always a wide receiver one. So I think that Russ could actually have two top 15 wide receivers, but I don't think Tyler Lockett's efficiency is going to keep up with another year of DK Metcalf, so I think that he's your plants in this year. Yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, it's just tough, I guess. I think I'll probably move him up a couple now that I kind of look at my rankings. Even before we started, I kind of looked, and some of them I think need to be moved. Like, I'll probably move more Boyd. Jones is close. I think that's a similar player role on the team, if that makes sense. And I don't want to say that Lions offense is better. I think the Lions offense is more explosive. God, dude. So that I'm just looking like how how bullish I actually am on DK when I actually look at my rankings. And all the yeah, time but I, I've got I him. I've got him over though. Thielen, over Woods, <laughs> over Devontae Parker, higher than Edelman for sure. Um, and I've got him nearly ten spots higher than than Tyler Lockett. Yeah. So I just I see it, man. I, I I was really bullish on him last year. It took him a while to get going. He caught half of his passes, but I think I think DK is going to be the man. And look, Tyler Lockett's incredible, dude. He just he has that efficiency we never think will keep up. But for the last three years, it's kept up. And he and, he and Russell Wilson have just an incredible um, uh, efficiency together. But I think if, if uh, DK can get on the same page with Russ, bro, I think it's going to be a little bit scary. So, all right, man. Let's get into a couple more here. Your boy, Button. Uh, we, you know, I feel like we're, we're kind of lower on, on Cortland Sutton than most people. First of all, you're the Bronco fan. I've got him at 21. We have thirty listed on the sheet. I literally don't even see him on your list. Is that a is that a top no, typo that, or like that was like that was like why I introed in with like it's tough because I love Corton Sutton. I think he deserves to be in the top thirty, but like I I don't know because I put Fuller there because I the way I look at fantasy, I just have to due to the vacated production and the chance that he like I get that he's injury prone. So I kind of take that with what it is. But there's so many guys like I don't even have Debo Samuel in here. I don't have Corton Sutton. Preston Williams, I think, can flirt with top 30 with the way that offense is going to run. So, like, that being said, like, another indicator, do not draft wide receiver early. Um, with Colton Sutton, I think really <laughs> what it comes down to is we're going to be banking on a, a good touchdown share, I think. That's kind of the way I sort of see the offense sort of forming. I think Judy's a type of receiver that doesn't need a lot of chemistry to get going right away, whereas I think C.D. Lamb, Rager – even Jefferson, we're gonna need. They're gonna need need to get chemistry. I think Judy just runs the slot and just dominates it. So we'll see how it plays out. I think 
And Sutton really wasn't great with Drew Locke anyways. So it kind of scared That scares me because I think obviously it was only four games. But I think that I'm just going to pump the brakes a little bit on Sutton because it's just like I, I – it needs a really good season, I think, to return value with the competing targets compared to these other guys. So I'll probably just have him in like the 34 – 31 to 35 range, probably. Last year, he had 124 targets, 72 receptions, just over 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns with basically no competition in the wide receiver core. So 125 targets with no competition. I mean, Noah Fant was competition-ish, but a tight end. Lindsey got his work as well. But, like, Melvin Gordon comes in. You mentioned Judy already. They got K.J. Hamler, who I think is a fucking animal, um, who's getting over – overshadowed tremendously by uh judy and rightfully so but i really i mentioned pre-draft i thought kj hamler and t higgins were going to be kind of like slept on receivers in this amazing class and i think both those guys are going to have incredible careers when it's all said and done not to mention my man deshaun hamilton who was completely sent out to pasture but still a quality receiver when he gets an opportunity um with noah fant still so and albert O. I mean (laughs) lindsey's still there like royce freeman's going to get a couple receptions I think it's insane. So, again, all that boosts up Drew Locke, but all of that makes me fade almost all wep- other weapons in Denver because there's a there's three capable running backs, there's five capable wide receivers, and there's two capable uh, tight ends. So yeah. that's all great for the quarterback. I don't know that it's good for anybody else on the team. So, for me, I, I think even having Sutton at 21 is, is significantly low. But, again, you've got him. Uh, you've got him lower and off of your top 30. The ECR I'm going to check right now has him at 19. So actually, you know, 10, 10 higher than the top 30, and, and I'm a little bit low on him there. So that's interesting. That'll be an interesting name to, to keep up with. Two more names I want to get into, and then we are going to just run out our list quick and get out of here. Marvin Jones. He's kind of my – I love Marvin Jones. I've been backing Marvin Jones for three years of this podcast He's always perennially underrated. He's going to give you 12 quality games. He's going to be close to 1,000 yards. He's going to be close to double-digit touchdowns. Not in my 30 either. I actually have him just outside at 35, but he's not in my 30 either. You've got Marvin Jones at 27. I love love it. So he finished his wide receiver 24 while playing 13 games last year and a 94% snap share in the games he played. I think that's really – about all you need to know, I said they're an explosive offense. They're going to be. The defense is okay. Uh, they were very exploitable last year. They really added Jeff Okuda, lost Darius Slay. So I would say uh, a wash if you want. All right. Nothing really changed. So they're going to have some high-powered games. Uh, they're just a throwing team in general. That being said, Marvin Jones does get injured quite a bit. So I think I rank him here more just on a fantasy finish, if anything. But yeah, I, I love him. I, I think that, like, it sucks that he's shadowed by Kenny Galladay because I think he could be an alpha on his team. But that being said, like, like, like I said with Ridley, with, with all, Juju, you don't, yep. you don't need to be the alpha on your team to produce fantasy points. So I love Marvin Jones. I'd imagine he's going in the ninth round, eighth round of redraft leagues, which is crazy to me because if he's your flex, um, he's the type of guy though, that you do have to kind of play matchups. We see that every year with him. We'll have some boom games and some bust games, but I still think he's a valuable asset. Um, and would just play him on Thanksgiving because he goes off for like three touchdowns every single year on Thanksgiving. Um, so I just chalk that in every single time for him. Yeah, I totally agree. I like I love Marvin Jones. Last year, he was actually on pace. He played 13 games, but he was on pace with targets and receptions for career highs, which could have led him over a 
1,100 yards. Potentially, he had just about 800 um, for a career high there as well. And again, nine touchdowns in 13 games. He plays 16. He's over double digits for the first time in his career uh, since 2013. So I like Marvin Jones a lot, and I think he's an opportunity to really get some value late in drafts. And honestly, man, eighth or tenth, or, or you said eighth or ninth round, I think it's closer to like 11th or 12th <laughs> in, in uh, most leagues. PPR, he gets a boost, obviously, but yeah. I think he'd be a little bit higher than that. All right, man, last one uh, let's get into here. T.Y. Hilton, um, I, am, I just kind of have him on the list as an ob- like obligatory mention because he's T.Y. Hilton, but I've got him at 29, and frankly, I'm looking at this list now, and I've got about five names, including Marvin Jones, off the top that I might have higher than T.Y. Hilton when it all – is said and done. I don't even see him on your list here. Um, I'm not going to go into much with T.Y. Hilton. It strictly comes down to him being – I do think Mike Pittman becomes the number one, though, in Indianapolis as a rookie this year. Um, I think he could have a similar season potentially to even A.J. Brown. Maybe Michael Pittman, who is going to get drafted in the 15th round, but I think he's a sleeper there. Um, just – I don't know, man. I know that T.Y. Hilton led the league in receiving yards a few years ago with 1,400 yards, and he's been – very reliable, but that was with Andrew Luck. I don't know what's going to be with uh, Philip Rivers approaching 40 himself. Um, I just think it's going to be run heavy, run a lot with Mack and, and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and I think Michael Pittman is with Paris Campbell is still there as well. Um, Zach Pass, I just, I don't know, man. T.Y. is going to have some big games, but I think he's like a Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Jackson at this point. Frankly, not a player that I'm willing to draft in the fifth round. Yeah, I think that the the case for him being high-ranked was if he stays healthy, he'll dominate. And that was because they really didn't have any weapons, I think, is kind of how I evaluate it. Um, Because if he's healthy, like, he'll put up fantasy points for you no matter this year or last year. It just just happens that way because he is good. But I think adding Pittman, I think Pascal Hurts, I think um, Jack Doyle sees a step up because he's finally in the the starting role that I think he deserves – Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Marlon Mack. I just think that it's not a situation I want to be in. Yeah, if I can get him in the eighth, ninth round, sure, take a risk because, because like I said, I focus on my first six rounds being the moneymaker, and then I just take risks. Just keep taking risks. I think that's where you win, win leagues and hit those upside guys. So I don't mind taking him. But even if he plays 13 games, I just think his market share is going to be way down. The offense is going to be good. But I think they're just going to run teams in the ground with the three-headed running back system. That's yep. probably one of the best in the league. Even the two, just Mack and Jonathan Taylor is crazy good behind that offensive line. So I'm probably just off T.Y. in terms of ranking the, the potential because I think the potential is much lower than what we actually think it is. Yep, and and a few years ago, the the narrative of T.Y. not staying healthy kind of came out because he started kind of pulling it uh, Deshaun J. Jackson or LaShawn McCoy, where he would play all games technically, but he would leave like half of them with various fucking injuries throughout the season. But I'm looking back on his game log since 2013, 2013 to 2017, five seasons, he only missed one game in 2014. However, 2018, he missed two games. Last year, he missed six games. And again, I just, he had 500 yards last year and five touchdowns. He's never had more than seven touchdowns. Again, that's not elite production. I'm not willing to have that as my wide receiver, too. And you're not going to get him in, I don't think, the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Um, I just think people will know the name more, more so and aren't paying attention to Michael Pittman yet. But at the same time, I, I'm not going to draft T.Y. Hilton, period. 
he's going to be on my list of do not draft players. He's already on there. I don't need to know more about it. I've made up my mind. He's going to be on the list uh, pretty much regardless of value, unless it's ridiculous, but it won't be because, you know, he's been, I mean, he had a thousand yards every single season um, except for last year and just under it in 2017. So the production has been there, but he's on the decline uh, versus kind of, you know, maybe a bounce back, which I do expect from Odell Beckham Jr. All right, man, let's get out of here. That is uh, roughly 30 wide receivers. Of course, this is June. We are going to change this weekly. Uh, we're going to be having an updated ranking coming up in the draft guide. Those are going to be changed and updated as we make decisions. And, of course, we will be locking this down come August and red for your drafts. As we get out of here, man, why don't we go through – let's just do one through 24. Lucas, uh, why don't you give me um, – let's go in uh, Let's go in, uh, just half and half here. So give me one through 12. And then I'll go, and then you can give me uh, 13 through 24, and I'll do the same, and we will bounce out with our rankings. So give me your wide receivers as of right now, early June, 1 through 12. Yep, we got Michael Thomas, Devonta Adams, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, and Kenny Galladay. Boom. Love it. I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and Tyreek Hill, seven up four for us. Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Juju, all the way up at number eight. I've got Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, number 12. Give me 13 through 24. Yep, 13, we got – my screen got in the way. 13, we have Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson – or wait, did I, I might have missed one. Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, DJ Moore, Julian Edelman, Amari Cooper – Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, DJ Chark, AJ Brown, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, and the Super Bowl champion wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, dude, coming around already. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. We didn't talk about Amari Cooper. We'll have to save that for another uh, episode, but you and I have him back to back at 16 and 17, uh, both fading him out of the top 12, which his consensus is definitely top 12 right now. All right, my 13 to 24 is. Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Odell Beckham, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods. We didn't talk about the Rams too much, but we'll cover them in another episode. Uh, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton, Julian Edelman. I've got DJ Chark and A.J. Brown. I am going to have A.J. Brown higher on this list, I almost guarantee you, once the season starts. All right, man, those are our top 30 that we talked about, wide receivers, and we just covered our top 24. That's full PBR rankings as of early June. Now, we can, we're going to get into a mock draft tomorrow. We broke down the schedules yesterday, and we are going to have this available in the draft guide, which we will have more information on. Make sure you stay tuned. A lot going on with the rankings early on. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for our zero RB mock draft and see how that shakes out. Make sure to subscribe right here on the YouTube channel. Leave a comment. Let us know how you feel about our rankings. Let me know who you would take at the current ADP, Ode Beckham Jr. or Edelman. Let's get that out of the way and start that ball rolling. Make sure to uh, leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod on Twitter at tck underscore pod. Join our Facebook group, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast page. And, of course, you Find our information for a limited time these days at tckpod.com and the draft guide around the corner, TCK Pod Listener League around the corner. Super pumped, man. We're in the flow. I'm feeling it. Rankings felt good. Let's get into a mock draft. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco. You've been listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, and we are out of here. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.